Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, the host of How They Love Mary. When I was a teenager, I read True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. And when I say read, I mean, I read the words on the page, but I didn't understand every word he was trying to say. As a priest and a Marian theologian, many people have asked me to clarify the teachings of St. Louis de Montfort from True Devotion to Mary. I'm happy to share that I've released a new book with Ave Maria Press, called Behold the Handmaid of the Lord, a 10-day personal retreat with St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to Mary. This book explains the basic teachings of this great Marian saint and writer and helps us to understand what he's trying to teach and to know the person of Mary better. Before you consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary with St. Louis de Montfort's method, Learn his theology with this new book. You can buy it at AveMariaPress.com. And when you do so, you'll save when you use the code BEHOLD at checkout. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. There is a Marian apparition that I became aware of that I really fell in love with the message and the story of the apparition. I've written about it quite extensively, a few online articles, one of which was the number one article in the lifetime of that specific website. And also, I've included the apparition in my book, A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary, drawing out a few different uh, aspects for our own meditation and how we can strive to live that message of Our Lady. The apparition that I'm speaking about is Borang, Belgium, when in 1932 and into 1933, Our Lady appeared to five children, the Dejembray and the Voisin children. And... For those 33 occasions, they saw her, and then they received messages, very simple ones, and we're going to talk about that today. I receive lots of messages because people find my writings about Borang, and they want to talk more about it. One individual was Andrew Rabel, who is from Australia, of all places, and he messaged me about Borang and wanted to know why I was interested in the apparition. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if two people very interested in this Belgian Marian apparition would sit down and have a conversation on this week's episode of How They Love Mary. So welcome, Andrew, to the conversation. Thank you very much, Father. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and so uh, Our Lady began appearing in November 1932. It was actually, I believe, November 29th. And then the final apparition was on January 3rd, 1933. So some people say that there are, are different phases then of this Marian apparition. The first being kind of the preparation for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th. Then the movement for Christmas, so kind of an advent. And then thirdly, 
there is then into the new year and that final uh, phase of the apparitions and the messages that Our Lady spoke there. Now, you are from Australia, as I mentioned, and this apparition is in Belgium. So I am quite curious why an Australian would be so devoted to Borang or want to know more about it or be curious about it. Well, Father, I would have to say in answer to that question, there are a number of reasons for this. I have always been a strong Catholic person with a deep devotion to our Blessed Mother. So I have always found stories of Marian apparitions quite stimulating and very interesting. The idea that Mary cares for us so much that she, that she would come to, to her children and converse with them, to me, is such a, such a beautiful thing. So I have done quite a study of Marian apparitions over the years, and I know about various reports of apparitions. And, of course, one of the things that stands out about Bora is that it is one of the few Marian apparitions in church history in regard to its level of approval that is recognized in the Holy See. I'm correct, am I not, Father? That is correct. Yeah, there's a handful of apparitions, about 12 of them that are really authenticated at that level. Um, and so, of course, we can think of the most popular ones, like Fatima and Lourdes and Guadalupe, all of those, you know, kind of the more popular ones. But the two Belgian ones, because there was then another apparition of Our Lady in Belgium, uh, a fortnight after uh, the Borang apparitions conclude, and that was Our Lady of Bonneau. And so you have two Marian apparitions, both of them approved uh, by the local church, one from, you know, the Bishop of Namur, and then the other from the Bishop of Liege, and then ultimately uh, the authority of the Vatican uh, approving it. So, yes, you are exactly correct. Yes, because the Bishop of Namur if, did, did give an approval in the early 1940s, but there was a secondary approval in 1949, which had the recognition of, the, of what was then the Sacred Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. So that means that some senses in the Holy See must have been looking at this and must have believed that the apparition was completely worthy of belief, orthodoxy, spirituality in line with church teaching for it to be formally recognized at the highest levels. And that is something. Now, now you, you know, even critics of the Catholic Church comment that when the church go, does something to that degree, it's something pretty extraordinary. Yeah, definitely. And to go through that process, you know, it's a very lengthy process to review the message, to review the life of the visionaries, etc. But you were asking me before, Father, why is my interest? And there's a, there's another reason, of course, for this. My mother was a was a Dutch migrant person from the Netherlands, okay. and Belgium is part of what is called the Low Countries or the Benelux countries. So I've always been very interested in, in that region of the world. Um, historically, um, uh, World War I, Flanders, Wallonne, all of, all, all of that sort of thing. The other thing is that Belgium is also called the cockpit of Europe. So it's a very, very interesting country culturally, Father, and historically. Definitely. And so it's what when we when we look at um, Marian apparitions, Our Lady has always tended to appear 
to very poor children, unlettered uh, poor children, poor people. Uh, her, her identification with the poor, and of course, you just mentioned Bano, and of course, the other one, she was called herself the Virgin of the Poor too. Correct. But what is rather, um, what's what's very interesting here is that at that time, historically, Belgium was not a poor country in Europe. Uh, it looks to me, from my analysis of the Sears of Bohar, that they were more middle-class children as opposed to being poor children. So it, it's, a, it's a very interesting story from that perspective because by, by the 1930s, most homes, residences, business offices, factories would have been electrified. So we're starting to see really Our Lady in um, uh, sort of interacting with the modern world, which I find rather tantalising. As you know, the first apparition of Our Lady was over a railway bridge, over a railway aqueduct where locomotives have gone through it. So here's the first century girl coming face-to-face with trains, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one of my friends who was the uh, vice rector of the shrine there in Borang, Father Christoph, he he, he made the point to me one time that it was Our Lady coming really at the, you know, the crossroads of life in a sense, that in the busyness of life – Mary comes, and so right there by the by the railroad bridge, then you know, kind of the way in which people are moving from place to place, Mary comes in the midst of that. Yes, and 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 what 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 is, and that's part of the story. And of course, the other thing that always grabbed me about Bona, probably probably it relates to my own childhood of naughtiness as well. Is, is how this how this apparition had its genesis in naughtiness. The children used to go every way and pick up um, Gilbert Voisin at at the convent school because she was a she was a part time boarder. And after a while, that was getting a bit a bit bit, bit you know a bit conventional. So they thought to to make it a bit more stimulating, we'll have a bit of fun and we'll start ringing doorbells. Ding dong ditch. <laughs> yep. I find. That I find that extraordinary. It seems to be Our Lady's got a great sense of humour. She likes naughty kids. <laughs> That's right. And now let's let's actually talk about these children. So one of the things that you brought to my attention was this book, and it's actually in English uh, that you can get. It's called The Last Doorbell Rung, My Memoirs, Gilbert Dejembray. And so um, she she was the last one. So he, what what these children were doing, the the voice and children, I believe, what they were doing is they were going to go to the local school, to the to the convent school, to pick up their their siblings who were there for tutoring or whatever the case might be. And and so they stop and they they recruit the Dejembre, uh children. And so Gilbert is the the last one to be recruited, and she becomes this visionary. Then, and I had the great privilege to meet Gilbert Dejembre right before she died, a few months before she died. When I was in Belgium, she was in the little diner that Father Christoph and I were eating at. So uh, I, I had the pleasure of of meeting her, and she was a a very humble, a very quiet 
woman didn't really want to um, talk, you know, too much about uh, the the phenomena that happened in her life. She just wanted to live in in simplicity. It seems so. So these children, it's just interesting. And the sisters in the school then think that they're doing something, like they're making this all up, and they almost forbid them pretty much from like coming back. And because once Our Lady appears at the railway, well, then she appears underneath the branch of the hawthorn tree, which interestingly enough, borang means means under the branch. And so here Mary is appearing underneath a branch. And, and so it's a very interesting, um, uh, you know, happenstance uh, of events that take place in, in this whole story. Well, that is, that is indeed, indeed true. It's, it is the most extraordinary story. Uh, yes, one, of course, you mentioned Mother Theophile and, and, and the, the, the kind of angst these children receive from the convents. She even, as you know, wants to let the wild dogs on them at, at one point as a way to stop them from uh, visiting there, uh, which is, 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 is perhaps understandable in a sense because it's a pretty extraordinary tale and being children, children are likely to make up stories. And as you know, these... I don't know if they already have a reputation. They already were mischievous children. So was this another extension of their mischief? I can see both sides, <laughs> but it's but it but it went beyond that. It was it was beyond that, and the story persisted. And eventually, as you know, there were these doctors and people looking at them and talking to them very very harshly and giving them very in, intense cross examinations. Which it which caused particularly young Gilbert a lot of a lot of suffering because of the way they they were treated and of course the, these were not um, I think the Voisin family were not even regular churchgoers so that's extraordinary that Our Lady picked three children from a family like that. Yeah, you know, and that was the same thing, too, with Mariette Becco in the Bonneau apparition that occurs beginning on January 15th of 1933 and continues for a few months. And um, Mariette, her family was not pious, not religious. In fact, I think Our Lady, and I could be mistaken, so don't quote me on this, but I believe that apparition began on a Sunday and Mariette hadn't gone to church that day. Her family didn't go, but yet Our Lady came, was walking in the garden, and Mariette sees this woman from the window and she uh, then goes and finds her eventually, either in another apparition or that very apparition, and then... Uh, begins this dialogue with the Blessed Mother. So, you know, it, it is interesting that Our Lady chose these children, both in Borang and Bonneau. Which I think shows the love of God and the love of the Mother of God for us all as her children. She does not differentiate between people who are very religious and those are unreligious. She does not favor one class of people over another. And that is a very, very beautiful thing to reflect on. Our Lady, we are all her children, and Our Lady loves us regardless of our status, Father. Correct. And we can always turn to her, and we can ask for her prayers, 
and she's going to come to our aid. She's going to intercede for us. And, and that's truly the case um, in the story now of the shrine in Borang. So people, people go there. They light their candles. They go on pilgrimage. If you follow them on social media, you can see lots of their different pictures, lots of the different events uh, that have taken place. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about the messages that Our Lady spoke because they're very mm. simple messages. It wasn't like Mary was giving some sort of, uh, you know, dissertation or anything like that. It was a very, very simple childlike message. And so she says to the children, always be good. That's a very simple message. And for me, what that means is obey the commandments. It's a, yes. Uh, 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 another reason why I, I kind of like <laughs> not wanting to get into controversy, comparing Boha to more contemporary Mary apparitions, it's, it, <laughs> I guess what I, I find a little bit disturbing there are the verbosity of those messages. Whereas at Boha, Our Lady has just talked talks in the simplest of terms. Yes, and she uh, then and says... You know, she says, always be good. Then she says, pray, pray very much, pray always. So again, very simple message, emphasizing prayer. That's right. But I think the message that I'm, I'm, that I love the most that Our Lady gave at Borah was on the last apparition on the 3rd of January, 1933, when she said to Gilbert Voisin, she said to her, I will convert sinners. Isn't that, that a very declarative statement? It's because we all go, we all know people, we're all sinners ourselves for starters. So I'm, I, I'm a sinner too. But we all know of people who need prayers in the spiritual life. And this promise of Our Lady is very comforting to me because she says, I am part of that. That is my work. I am out and about, and I am going to convert sinners. And that gives me, that gives me a lot of consolation that, in, in, that, that people who are wayward will come back farther. And that's why I feel this is one of the reasons why I think this is such a beautiful apparition. Yeah, you know, uh, one of my specialties is the Wisconsin apparition in Champion, Wisconsin. To a Belgian immigrant named Adele Bryce, the Blessed Virgin Mary appears as the Queen of Heaven. And she says to Adele, I'm the Queen of Heaven who prays for the conversion of sinners. And so really I see this as like the the continuation the or maybe even the fulfillment of the champion apparition that as Mary reveals, I pray for the conversion of sinners. Well, now she definitively says, I will convert sinners. And, and it's an interesting thing for us to think about. How will Mary convert sinners? Well, uh, I write about this in A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary, but I say that uh, Mary will convert sinners by her example. So we look to her in the sacred scriptures and we understand who she is and her virtues help to counteract our vices. She will convert sinners 
uh, by her messages as she speaks these apparitions at these apparitions, calling wayward souls back to God. She'll convert sinners by her prayers as she prays for us, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. So these are just a few ways that I think Mary will convert sinners. And as you rightly point out, it brings great hope, I think, to all of us uh, that that in my own life, my own struggle with sin, Mary will convert my heart. And she's going to do that in the most unexpected of situations to all to all kinds of people. You know, it was from reading the story of Bo, I know you were talking about wanted to concentrate on the message, but um, when you, you mentioned uh, Gilbert's uh, new recollection of of her published recollection of her writings, she makes it what is so good about that that book that manuscript is as the as the, as is said by the the, uh, the 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 rector of the shrine in the introduction it's not written like other accounts of um marian events it's written in a in a style of prose which is very day-to-day -day and matter of fact yet, oh i did this yesterday we did this we visited this we went there and then the next day in the same breath, she said our lady came to us it's not written in a terribly over pious tone but um as a, as a matter of fact but Gilbert tells us what it was like as as a nine-year-old girl and of course, there was the grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes at the convent, but she had never, she was not even, had never even heard of Marian apparitions. She did not know that Our Lady is reported throughout history to have appeared to people. Didn't know any of that. And she received, so, and she got a Marian apparition. Yeah. And, and uh, yes. Uh, admittedly, I haven't even read this book yet. You sent me the link. I need to acquire it because I would like to read it. I'd like to read her memoir about the whole event. And and uh, just as I continue to grow my own appreciation uh, for this Marian apparition. So another aspect of the message, too, that Mary spoke was that she asked one of the children. She said, do you love me? And then the girl said, yes, I do love you. And then Mary said, then sacrifice yourself for me. And it's an interesting statement, then sacrifice yourself for me. But it would seem that she's suggesting, well, make some penance, atone for sin. Just like she said in Champion, unless they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. Just as she said in Fatima, that we must do reparation, make reparation for sin. So, so here we have again, kind of, I think, that emphasis there on atonement and sacrifice as a form of penance. And and also yes, and of course, and also the fact that she appeared with a golden heart, displayed heart, which is obviously the immaculate heart of Mary, which is such an important part of the message of Fatima in relation to sacrifice, making reparation to the immaculate, making reparation for sin, and yet those children would never have known about that kind of connection, would they, Father? And that's what, what to me, supports the veracity of the story. Sure, yeah. They, they wouldn't have that knowledge, as you point out. Uh, much would, like Bernadette Subaru didn't know what the Immaculate Conception was. But, uh, but the fact that Our Lady would appear with a golden heart, now they would not have had, there would be no image of Mary that they had seen 
of where they could have copied such an idea from a visible sure. golden heart with rays but obviously there is a deep theological truth there that our lady was pointing to and 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 that is a continuation of the of the of the devotion in the in the last couple of centuries preceding that to the immaculate heart of mary yeah, definitely. I see the connection there. And even people make the connection that uh, Fatima and Borang, you know, are, are, are contemporary apparitions, that Borang happens just a, a few years after. And here you have the war that's going to be happening and, and it becomes a sanctuary. Uh, I, I remember reading stories that, that the soldiers, when they marched through Borang, they stopped and they lit a candle <laughs> at the apparition site. So it was really a place that was uh, near and dear in their heart. I think a number of them, Father, were American soldiers. That could be. I, you know, I think it was in maybe. Uh, oh, there's this book, Our Lady of Borang. Who wrote it? Maybe John Beavers, maybe, um, I, or I'm not really sure. But, but that's that was the, my source text. I remember. Uh, I've committed that uh, little anecdote to memory. Uh, so maybe one last thing about the message. Well, there, I think there's two more things we could say about the message is that there's, uh, first she gives her name. She says, you know, I, you know, I am the immaculate Virgin Mary or something along those lines. And then she says that I am the queen of heaven. So she, she gives these different names, uh, in her apparition. And then lastly, in the 32 apparitions before the final one, she always said au revoir, meaning I'll be back. But in the final apparition, she says adieu, which means I will see you in God. And so, so that's how they knew that this last apparition was the final one because of the way in which Our Lady left them. That's right. And that also has, has veracity in my view because, yes, uh, there, there, were, there were 30 apparitions and that was a but there was an actual definitive end end and that shows that it that it is super supernatural because if if if, if they would have control they'd see our lady they'd see our lady all the time but there is actual an end to the story and it never ever repeated itself again and all of that in in my mind strongly supports the veracity of Bora as a tale now, here's an interesting uh, message that I received. This is uh, a woman who is from Brussels, but she lives now in California. And she messaged me just a, a few days ago on Friday. So so literally uh, less than a week ago, I got this message. She writes, she writes in French and then she switches to English. So she says, um, uh, you know, I live in California. So both French and English are fine with me. Please let me know if you're seeing this message. I feel there's a reason. Okay, so she goes on. Uh, so touching that you got to capture the beautiful moment just less than a month before she passed away. So she read my article, found me. I'm really grateful you captured her words. I have been wondering why growing up in Belgium, I had never heard of the apparitions until my godfather brought me there when I was already living in the USA. It's a mystery to me. So why do you think, you know, this, this woman lived in Belgium, grew up in Belgium, never heard of Borang until she moves to America and goes back home and someone takes her there? Why do you think it's not so well known? Because I think that's more in line, I think, with a more 
European way of looking at things. I think um, we in the Anglophone world know how to draw attention to things and there there's books and publications and movies and what have you. Um, in Europe, they tend to do things a little bit differently. And 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 I think the, the, what that's one thing that I, I um, does impress me about the stuff. Beauvoir does never never seems to have had the publicity machine of the other apparition sites, Father. And and um, it just does not seem to be uh, so. It just seems to be no. And all, and evidently, even in Belgium, it's not really. Uh, it's not really promoted uh, that that much. You think you would think, sure. wouldn't you, that if our, our ladies made two prized visions to to the, to the same country, and not only that, the Holy See has recognised it, that 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 would be w well known. But it it just it it's not. It's I haven't visited there, but I I, I believe the sh the shrine is not comparable to say Lourdes or Father. No, no, it's not, not at all. And, and it's and it's quite humble. And it's and it's and it's 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 and it's not a source of deep of deep publicity and interest. So I think I I think that it 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 is it is the European apparition. I think. Yeah, definitely. And you know, as I as I think about it, you know, here I am. I'm in Wisconsin and Champion near the Champion apparition, and there are so many Americans that have no idea that Mary appeared in 1859 in Wisconsin and that it's an approved Marian apparition site. I meet so many people that don't have the faintest idea, even people that live <laughs> right by the shrine here in Wisconsin uh, aren't really as familiar as they could or should be. So, so it is an interesting thing. Now there's a, you know, there's two, two, one thing maybe I'll say that uh, when I was speaking with one of the priests over there in Belgium, he said that, you know, Borang does not have the appeal. You know, it's a message about prayer and penance and conversion of life. Whereas well, in Bono, it's a very, you know, it's a, a medicinal message in a sense. It's, uh, you know, our, I've come for the healing. Uh, you know, I set the spring apart. I come to heal. I'm the virgin of the poor. And so people are more apt to identify then kind of with that affable message uh, that's connected with the Bono apparition. Like, well, I, I often have described it as Bono being really this, like, I call it like a Disneyland, and then you go to Borang, and it's, you know, not nothing can, com you know, it doesn't compare. I just understand that, because I just find it inc an incredible story. Uh, and I, I just, I love to look at the photos of these children, what what grabs me, Father, is is that if you would look at those kids and you look at them as old pe older people, you would never think that there's anything out of the ordinary about them. They just seem the most normal people. That's how they come across to me. Yeah, yeah that's that's the story of these children, I think, for sure. And, I, and, I, and they. And, and as I say, I think the fact that, you know, our, while Our Lady and as Christians, we have a specific identification of the poor, Vatican II talked about the preferential option for the poor. Um, there's not what you might call a class struggle where God is concerned. I, I think it's interesting that Our Lady, in this case, picked middle class children to give a message to. And that shows to me that that 
that God does not distinguish what our backgrounds are. And the church has made this message, said it so much has it not, Father. The call to holiness is universal. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your job is, what your occupation, what your level of education is. You are all called to be holy. And we see that lived out in these visionaries, as you mentioned. And, you know, they didn't become religious. They didn't become, you know, they, they just live in the world and they live out their vocation. And they followed that simple message, pray, pray always, pray very much. When I think about Fatima, you know, I'm always struck by the fact that Our Lady told these children, pray the rosary every day for peace in the world. And they're, they're young kids. They're nine years old. They're 13, however old they were. And they begin praying the rosary every day because of Mary's message. And it's like, why can't all of us then pray the rosary every day if these little kids took to heart the message of Our Lady? Well, the Shias of Burah all had a deep devotion to a rosary. Several of, 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 of for decades after they would go, the, 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 those who live, still lived in Burah went to the Hawthorne bush and just prayed the rosary like any other pilgrim there who came there. It's, yes, and it's another thing I like about the Shias, their, their simplicity, their desire to be all, and they, 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 to me, behave like, they believe in their manner, behave like ordinary people, whereas I don't want to get into controversy, some of these modern apparitions, the, the, the seers seem to have what I would call celebrity status. And I find that, I find that a bit strange compared to these other apparitions, Father, like Boran. Yeah, one of my things that I always like to bring out uh, in terms of these messages that Our Lady speaks is that we're called to live them. So we're not just called to know the story and to hear the story, but but really Mary is speaking to us and she wants us to live this message. And that's what I tried to do in a Lenten journey with Mother Mary was I tried to make these messages somehow livable, that we can carry them out in our life. For you as a person who's been touched by this message of Our Lady in 1932 and 1933 in Belgium, uh, how do you live out the message of Our Lady that she spoke there? Well, I just, I, I just try to be like an ordinary Catholic. I try to, I try to uh, pray. I pray the Rosary every day. <clears throat> I try. I get, I get to Mass whenever I can. I try to, I try to engage in, in, in works of kindness, charity. I try to bring, I try to be like Mary at, 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 at when she visited her cousin Elizabeth. I try to bring Jesus to others. And that's what I think our, 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 our lady is really drawing us to her son, Jesus. So I always want to be a, like we have a St. Christopher medal in our car. I always want to be a Christ carrier. But it is through Mary that we that we do this to Jesus through Mary. So I, I feel the message of Bora touches my heart like other like other Marian apparitions. But perhaps I relate to it a little bit better than others because I feel that the, the background of the seers is, is is more like people who lived in the modern age. So I, I that's that's the part of it that relate. But if you compare it to all the approved messages historically, it is the same message about trusting God, come to me to pray the rosary, 
and and to bring and and to follow my son that is really is really and and also that that we have to be concerned about people who are who are wayward and adrift and that and 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 that we are we are part of this this journey to 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 help them so by our prayers and sacrifices so it's it it, it, it resonates very very strongly with me as a, as a Marian apparition and i do feel the presence of our blessed mother so much there and i and i just i just love the story from many different dimensions to the story it is definitely a beautiful story about one of mary's apparitions that she felt the need to come as a mother to speak to these children to give this message to the world through them to you and to me so that we might live them that today we could talk about them so that others might become more aware of the apparition of Our Lady in Belgium to the Dejembre and Voisin children. So I'd like to thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew, for this conversation. Uh, this was one that I wanted to have maybe a year ago, but just uh, in terms of schedule, it didn't work out. And knowing that the apparitions began on November 29th, ended on January 3rd, I knew that this was the most perfect time for us to have this conversation today. So thanks so much for all of your knowledge and uh, you shared some things and, and significance that, that maybe I hadn't even considered myself. So I'm very grateful uh, for the time you spent with me today. Well, I'm grateful to you, Father. It is because of your beautiful writing on Our Lady that I sought your that I sought your to talk to you and get in touch with you. And I'm so grateful that you have reciprocated the friendship and that we have, we've now reached this occasion where we are talking about Our Lady of Bolang together. I think that's a, a very beautiful, special moment. So thank you for your friendship and support. And I look forward to future cooperation between us in this area. Yes, I look forward to that as well. And and do you have any footprint online? Like, um, do you write anywhere or anything like that if people want to follow you? Background as a Catholic writer and journalist, but I have not been doing it very much of late. But if you, anyone who who is listening to this, just look up my name, Andrew Rabel, on the internet, and you you can see stuff that I have written. Well, very good. Well, thanks so much for your time, and uh, I look forward to uh, praying. You know, these next thirty-three days, you know, of marking each of those apparitions. I like to think about each one of them as as Mary appeared. And uh, to really foster uh, a greater devotion to this message and apparition of Our Lady. Thank you so much, Father. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, be sure to check out Sock Religious. I love their socks, I love their shirts. And so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary.
God bless.